PSVR, Bricks, and Spirit Island. This is Staying In. Can I interest any of you into playing a game? Yes, um, very much so. Please, please elaborate somewhat, because when it comes to you, that could be anything. I want to, and just before we start, I stole this from another podcast, so I apologise, but it was brilliant and I wanted to do it, so we're doing it. Right, we're going to play AI Dungeon. We're not going to we're not going to say what that podcast is. No. <laughs> no. They've got enough they've got enough listeners. We don't want to give them any extra press. No. So no. It's called AI Dungeon. It's called AI Dungeon. So basically, it's an exceptionally powerful um automatic like dungeon and adventure story game. So between you and uh Dan Chris I'm going to give you choices and then we'll start the story and then you're going to tell me what you want to do basically and this AI will create the story for us and let me just tell you from what I've heard you can be as outlandish and as weird as you want to be with okay. this but first we're going to start with so Chris I want you to pick a setting fantasy mystery apocalyptic zombies or custom I'll go with mystery please Sam mystery Okay. Gotta go with custom, surely, just to make work for Sam. <laughs> <laughs> the the customs adventure. Uh select a character, Dan. Patient, detective, or spy. Patient. Patient. Uh the character's name, Chris? Ferdinand. <laughs> for nice, I like Ferdinand. it. Okay. Generating story, please wait. That's this, it. Is, this is completely free, by the way. I'm playing this in browser. You can also download the app from the Google Play Store or the iOS device. Here we go. You are Ferdinand, a patient living in Chicago. You have a hospital bracelet and a pack of bandages. You wake up in an old, rundown hospital with no memory of how you got there. You take a look around the room and see that it's very clean and organised. The walls are painted a light blue colour, which matches your hospital gown. What will you do, Dan? Um... I, I've been caught off guard here. You can choose anything. Literally anything. Put it to the test. I will jump out of the window. Oh, <laughs> I jump out of the window. <laughs> you die. The end. Have I got to now decide what position I land in? You jump from the window and land on the roof of the building. You can hear a helicopter flying over you, but you don't care about that right now. You just want to get away from this place. Chris, what will you do? I um, I jump into the sewers. So I open a drain, a manhole cover and I jump into the sewers. Jump into the sewers. You realise I'm already at the point now where I'm like, let's see if we can break this. You run into the sewer system and find yourself in a large underground complex. There are many people here, some dressed in white coats, like you were expecting to see. However, none of them seem to be responding to your presence, so you decide not to bother trying to contact anyone else. Dan, what will you do? I'm going to, uh, obviously, um, <coughs> skateboard until the nearest exit. It's thinking. You begin skating down the tunnel towards the centre where all these people are gathered. Suddenly you feel something hit your back and fall off to one side. You turn around and see a man wearing a lab coat standing behind you. What do you do, Chris? On your skateboard? Yep. Well, once I've done an ollie, I basically gently... I do an 
Ollie. Oh, doing Ollie then. Okay. <laughs> Damn it. Like, I feel like I've used my last wish up without realising. You quickly spin around and perform an Ollie on the concrete floor. As you stand up, you notice that the man has been watching you for quite a while now. <laughs> How long's an Ollie take to do? He doesn't say anything at first, but after a few minutes, he speaks again. I am Dr. Kessel. Now, Dan, in this AI dungeon, you can speak if you wish to. So he said, I am Dr. Kessel. What do you do or say? I say, hi, Dr. Kessel, and I wink at him suggestively. Okay. There's a vowel, there's a vowel in that that is crucial you get it right. <laughs> you continue to stare at him as you walk past him. He notices your gaze and smiles slightly. <laughs> he, he then turns his attention back to the crowd of people who are still milling about. Right, so let's push this mystery forward, Chris. Uh, I seduce Dr. Kessel. <laughs> I seduce Dr. He's been watching me for a while. How long are we going to dance this dance for? I mean, this must be how majority of these AI-generated stories go. So far, I love the, I lo- I love the fact that you <laughs> you jumped out of... A, you've woken up in a hospital, you jumped out the window, jumped into the sewers, found a skateboard, done an ollie in front of a doctor, and now... <laughs> You suddenly grab his hand to pull him towards you. You kiss him passionately before pulling away. He looks surprised by what happened and blushes a bit. I slap him. I slap him. What? Why you <laughs> kissed him? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's nothing like victim shaming, isn't it? I slap him. How dare he? I'm married. What? You, you kissed him? I did and Chris did. Yeah, I'm not married. <laughs> you, st- you start slapping him across the face. His eyes widen in surprise and he starts crying. Oh, oh no. Gosh. You laugh hysterically and continue to slap him until he falls backwards onto the ground. Hmm. Chris? <laughs> this has gone in a really weird um, direction really fast. I, I, I apologise. And then. <laughs> I feel like there's definitely two people writing this story. And I, and I, I gently skate away. Gently skate away. Where to? Um, I gently skate away into a smaller pipe um, that runs off it It's on its own. And I don't look back. <laughs> you slowly skate away from the man and disappear into a... It's, oh, this is very clever. You slowly skate away from the man and disappear into a small pipe leading off to the side. You don't even stop to think about what you did wrong or why you did it. All you know is that you had fun and you need to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Should we, should, we, should we carry on that story later, play it again later, or leave it be? Can we carry this story on later? Yeah, I need to know where that goes. Well, um, Chris, are you excited about our purchase today oh my gosh it was a hell of an investment wasn't it sam what have you purchased it's been a long time coming yeah but we finally we made the joint decision we signed we both signed the deed <laughs> yeah both went to go and see the solicitor as a witness and we both finally made the decision to buy pandemic legacy season two wow after that is that is a, a long time i can't can you remember when we played? When I'm, we finished? I'm sorry, Sam. I was expecting at least a round of applause from Dan or a cheer at least. Well, oh, right. okay. it was a it was a silent gasp. Jeez. Right. Okay. It was more of a kind of a a solemn kind of 
I understand what commitment you are making here. As opposed to, yes. what? Because it's not like it's impossible to buy the game. It's relatively easy. You go online and you give someone money. That's it. But it was right. like a, a quiet respect that you are going to put some time into this. Because you're in the last game, took you about, I don't know, 19 years to play? Hmm. Well, you know what I mean? I mean, let's be honest. Sam's got to play this while he's playing The Witcher 3 and Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So... <laughs> Uh, yes. but no I think it was like it was about gosh it was quite a while ago was it like two years ago three years maybe I want to say we played I want to say we finished Pandemic Legacy Season 1 just before we ran the Liverpool Half Marathon yep and I think we finished it you'd not long moved into your new house I think didn't we finish it at your new house no we finished it at yours I remember uh, finishing it at your flat in Liverpool oh my gosh and if it was just before the half marathon, then that's like that would make two sense. years ago, yeah. three years ago this year, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. But it's nice. It's it's nice to have something on the horizon, a co-op game to play uh, with 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 you, Chris. So I'm yeah excited about excited about that. Have you, have you got anything on the way, Dan? Have you bought yourself anything nice? Anything you know pre-ordered, ready to go? You know, that's going to get you going. I've got one thing pre-ordered. Um, and that Ooh, is some. That is some. I mean, say I say pre-ordered. It's pre-ordered because it's out of stock. So it's not like it's it's. All right. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So that's the. So I've I've pre-ordered some uh, PlayStation Move controllers. Um, I've I've taken that leap. All right. Because you're playing you you're playing Grand Slam tennis on the PlayStation Three. I'm not. I'm not playing Grand Slam tennis anymore. <laughs> but I am playing some PSVR because I was fortunate enough to get a PSVR <gasps> for Christmas. So I've been playing some of that, and so I've been saving some games because I want to play them with the Move controllers. So I want that full experience. Some some games you can play just with DualShock, but I want to play with some Move controllers. So I'm, I'm waiting for them. I've been waiting about a month because pretty much, if you want to buy it new, everywhere is out of stock. Everywhere. Yeah. So um, I've been I've been waiting for them. Hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, they'll arrive, and then I can start playing. I can start playing my Skyrim. I can start playing my Super Hot. Uh, and all those, all those, all those good, 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 good stuff. But yeah, that's that's what that's what I'm doing. So, have you already got games for it? Then I don't. What what happens when you buy a PlayStation VR? I have no idea. Go on. Yeah. So the uh, I got uh, it was called the PSVR Mega Pack, which comes with five yeah. games, which comes with a Skyrim VR, which is okay. the entire Skyrim game transposed into VR. So mm-hmm. that sounds pretty impressive. Um, Everybody's Golf, um, which kind of is what you think it is. Um, VR Worlds, which is kind of like the... It's not so much a demo disc, but it's kind of like a group of like five mini games that kind of demonstrate all about the VR. Okay. And then the last two being Astrobot, which is incredible. I'll get onto that. And Resident Evil uh, 7? I have no intention of playing. Not I, even a little bit? Not, not even but a little even, bit. Not even as a spectator sport, Dan, for people to watch you playing it? No. Uh. Because so I would take great enjoyment from that, and you know why? You know what? T- you know what told me more than anything that I couldn't play. I couldn't play a scary game in VR. Is one of the first things I played. There's like a you can download a demo disc, an actual demo disc <laughs> of like it's like ten or so games on it. You have briefly, and one of them is called Headmaster. And Headmaster is basically. Um, you're on a football pitch. It's kind of in the dark under floodlights, and balls kind of are oh, thrown yeah, in, and you have to head the ball. Yeah, I oh, like the one on the Wii Fit. Yeah, sort of. Um, I, by the way, I am really good at that. Good. Yep. 
so at the start of that, when they're introducing the game, like there's like an overhead speaker guy talking to explain to you, and then um, he says to you that someone's going to come out to demonstrate it. And as he does that, like on a track that's always been there, this kind of crash test dummy just slides out, and it caught me off guard, and it made me jump and maybe go, Ugh! and I just thought, if that's making me scared, a crash test dummy slowly moving out of the dark towards me. Playing a game like Resident Evil, mm-hmm. which is designed to terrify me by having scary things running at me screaming, maybe not. It's it's. I my, my experiences with VR previously. Um, originally, I didn't really understand what the fuss was. I didn't think it would work. I just didn't understand it. I then tried the Oculus Rift once, and I tried it, and it was just one of those things where you're in a on a beach or something like that, and you get to look around and. Everything. And I got the sense of the immersion there and I did kind of feel how good it could be. So I was kind of a little bit sold mm-hmm. by them. So then when I got this and I've just been astonished by the immersive nature of it. And obviously because you're in this little set, you're all in your own little world, it's quite a comfortable headset to wear so it's not too problematic. And so the thought of playing such a terrifying game in a world where... I, I will feel so involved. There's no there's no ability to kind of cl- look away. You can't look away. You look away and mm. you look at something just as terrifying because something else is there. <laughs> you look at something else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not like it's not like when I'm playing a scary game, I do everything I can because I, I love playing. I love 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 playing horror games, but it doesn't mean I'm not I'm not scared by them. I just enjoy the the uh, the, the the excitement and the tension. But I'm always like, right, blinds open, yeah. curtains drawn. Yeah. <laughs> like- so, yeah, so that would work for you when you're literally plunged into darkness and all you can see is the scariness. And there's, you can pause just, it. Just thinking about what, what light and frothy quick game you're going to put on after you finish this playthrough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but have you thought about the Batman game, Dan? That, that, that would be my first purchase. <laughs> it's just Chris just stands there at the mirror for hours. Oh just my like, gosh. yes, I am. And everywhere, I, everywhere I turn, there's Alfred. There yeah. is, there is kind of. There's a number of games that I'm interested in. So Batman is definitely there. Super hot. We've played that before on kind of PC. I mm-hmm. think it's just such a perfect fit for VR that I think would. Oh, work. I'm playing that on Switch at the moment, Dan. It's incredible. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to playing that. Um, like, uh, like, te- I mean, Tetris. Apparently, there's a, there's a version of Tetris. It's supposed to be amazing. Um, oh yeah, VR. people are raving over. Oh, it. Tetris Effect. There's, there are there are a number of games that I'm really interested in playing. I've just held off until I've until I've got kind of got the move controllers. I've played through some of the games that I've got. Um, but Dan, how long? Like, because obviously I, I get a sense that you've not fully got the games that you'd really happily commit to at the moment. It's kind of demo stuff. But like, do you envisage that you would play it, say, for the same amount of time that you would play? you know, non-VR titles. Like, do you, after a while, do you, is it quite a heavy thing to wear? Do you feel the weight of it after a while? Because the the thing about uh, VR is I've only ever experienced it in short bursts. I've never worn it for like a prolonged period, so. I mean, it's not so much heavy or anything. It's not uncomfortable to wear. And that's more to do with the, um, the, the, the the PSVR actual headset is actually quite comfortable to wear. Um, What I would say is you can't, you can't play it for a particularly prolonged period of time, there is a fatigue element to it because you right. have to kind of understand that, and obviously you'll, you'll be aware because you've, you've tried VR, is you do have like two TV screens in front of your eyes. And so that is a lot of strain on your eyes. 
And so yeah. there is a lot of, there is that element of uh, strain and fatigue and certain games do better, are better than others. I mean, certain games as well also factor in kind of motion sickness as well, which I have experienced. I played um, the demo of, uh, because they, they made a Wipeout Omega collection. That's all in VR. Oh I tried that. First race, I was okay. Second race, about halfway through, I thought I have to stop playing now because I'm feeling really nauseous. And I, I finished that race and I said, you know what, switch off. And I was done for the night oh then because I, I didn't then want to play anything else either. Um, but on the flip side, as I mentioned before, there's a game called Astrobot. What this one does is you you kind of control your little character and you use the dual shock. You don't use move controllers for this. So you have to use a dual shock. The dual shock appears on screen so you can see it. So you've got that physical, you don't have your hands there, but you do have that physical representation of what's in front of you. And that obviously that moves as you move it as well because the, 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 the Pierce uh, camera is picking that up. Um, and as you kind of move him around using the thumbsticks, it will it will take you through the level. It will, you'll move forward as the character moves forward. Um, but what what's brilliant is that at certain times he's gonna he goes around a corner and you can't he do, you don't follow him. So what you have to do is you have to walk forward or lean forward and look around the corner or search or reach around to do different things. And you have to yourself move in order to get the best angle to find. There's certain things you have to collect and you have to actually move and move your head and look around. So you're not just always focused on um, Astrobot, who is, by the way, gorgeous and cute and adorable and amazing. And I want him as my best friend. Um, but it's it's just that it's just that brilliant thing of looking around and looking, looking up top on top of a ledge. Can I see something? Taking a step back to look and all this stuff and that's something that you can't get in any other way from any other game mm -hmm. you don't have that ability to be that fully in control as your character is stood stationary you're searching around a corner and that's the only way to do it it does different things as well it, there's bits where you can headbutt things and all that stuff and that's kind of bit gimmicky but just that fundamental idea and it's excellently executed as well it's, it's beautifully done just that factor of being able to he moves in the space but you also move in the space as well and that kind of beautiful blend really kind of makes it work and obviously there's no because of the nature of the game there's no motion sickness issue with that again there is an element of fatigue because you do get there is strain on your eyes i actually have a strange problem where i tend to keep my um vr headset in the other room just because it's out of the way but that room's quite cold so every time i go to put it on because i'm putting it on my warm face Within about five minutes, the entire thing has steamed up. So I'm constantly having to take it off, get rid of the condensation, put it back on. It takes about half an hour before it gets to kind of room temperature and I can just play naturally. So there's an element of kind mm, of... First world problems. Yeah, it, it really is. I, it's, a, it's a tough life that I lead. Um, Maybe my VR goggles are steamed up. It's an important part of, of the experience though because VR was always meant to be, be this big promise of of the future. And if... Dan's still got to take it off to wipe it because it gets yeah. a bit sweaty from time to time. It's it's hardly you know Ready Player One, is it? But I think I I mean I've I've been I have been blown away by it. I I, I expected it to be good, and certain bits have really kind of taken my breath away. The only thing I'm looking forward to now is hopefully seeing kind of bigger companies or different, more kind of really exciting companies trying out. I would love to see what someone like that game company could do in this world. That would be so exciting. I'm really looking forward to um, the new Media Molecule game, Dreams, because that has a VR component to it. I'm really because they're mm -hmm. really they're a really kind of creative um, developer, so really to see what they can do with that kind of space. 
as I say, Ashabat is probably the high watermark at the moment, but different games are coming every all the while trying different things and trying to find... We've talked in the past about games and mediums that are trying to achieve a certain level of realism or mechanic or something like that, and then they reach it, and then everyone kind of goes, oh, that's how it's done, and now we move on from here. And I get the feeling that's what's happening. People are trying to find that level, and then there's, there's a baseline, and now we can go and do exciting stuff. I do have the perfect antidote, though, Dan, to your VR sickness if it happens again go on uh if you're feeling a bit weird but you still want to play a video game do i bite from boots uh no this is good this is good dan i have the perfect solution which is for you to sit down and whether with friends or family or just on your own and it's to play wolfgang Warsh's bricks okay to, to put it plainly it's an analog version of tetris so if you're feeling a little bit queasy and just like, oh, that ended my video game session a little bit early, but I still want to play a video game, then Bricks is your game because essentially you're just playing Tetris, but it's on a sheet of paper. Okay, <laughs> not going to lie. At the moment, I'm not seeing the kind of the, 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 the leap forward here. So, so what, what makes it... Why would I not just play Tetris? Because you've you've had enough of like looking yeah. at a screen and being in that VR world, but you're feeling a little bit queasy, a little bit like, oh, mm, you still want that video game experience. You crave geometry. Yeah, but you just don't want to, you know, you know, sometimes you don't want to stare at a screen. You just want to sit down at a table with a cup of tea yep. and start rolling some dice. <laughs> My next question is, how do you play Tetris with dice? So... How bricks works is is that you have uh, everyone has their own uh, sheet of paper which essentially has this uh, picture of an arcade cabinet on it. So in front of you is like all the like switches and dials, these like neon lights um, on borders of each of this of of the screen, and the screen itself is just made up of a big grid of blocks, just like a Tetris grid. And then you have two dice and uh, you uh, roll them at the same time, and one of the dice determines which one of the tetronimos, the, the specific shapes, are going to fall. So, like, for example, the long, thin one, or the um, the one that, like, is, like, got a bit of a leg out, or the one that's got, like, a, a knobby bit in the middle. You know what I mean? Like An L shape and a T yeah, shape. Yeah, so one dice determines which one of those is going to fall, and the other dice determines in what orientation that tetronomo is going to fall. So essentially all the dice is doing is replacing the algorithm when you play Tetris, determining which thing is going to fall. So then once that's happened and everyone knows what is going to fall on this turn, you then imagine that uh, shape falling into your grid, coming down to the bottom, and you can move it left or right as far either side as you want and you plop it in and then you basically x off where that shape now exists in your grid like it is it is just tetris uh on a pen and paper form and there's there's certain things that you can do like there's certain like energy points you can spend to essentially like spin a shape um which is kind of the one big power that you're lacking in terms of a difference between the computer version and this analog version like if you want to spin a shape 
to make it fit exactly how you want it to fit in your plan. You have to spend energy points to do that, and they're a finite resource. Like They run out, and there's ways that you can um, collect more of it, but it still is like a resource you have to be quite precious about doing. And that, and, and I mean, that's it. That's essentially the game. Like you, you it's such a, a weird feeling to be sat around the table, like with four people, or even on your own, like I did this afternoon. I just played it on my own quickly. Um, to be sat around the table with four people, play all playing Tetris, um, introducing it to people. It's a really easy sell. It's kind of like, do you want to play Tetris? but it's a roll and write game. And everyone that I've introduced it to has been super intrigued. They're just like, how is this going to work? Oh yeah, also it's designed by the guy who designed The Mind and Taverns of Tith and Fall and Quacks of Quedlingberg and Ganshon Clever. So, <laughs> you know, it's already got a certain pedigree for people who know who he is. And that for me is the main selling point for this. Like when I was playing it, I was thinking, okay, could they have made it any more of this and really you can't it is exactly what you'd expect a straight digital to analog adaptation of this game to be and it does feel like that even though it's pen and paper you feel the pressure of not being able to fit your blocks you may think actually it's yeah. roll and write i've got plenty of time i can spend as much time as i want picking the, the optimal point and the optimal place to put my block but actually you can't rotate so that's what kind of mitigates that really so it does feel as pressurized as it does when you're playing it on like a Game Boy, which is nice I used to play it on as a kid. Yeah, because I was, yeah. was going to say that one of the one of the key components of the of the game, the, the video game, is that kind of that increased tension as it speeds up and you're running out of time in terms of that. And obviously, with with a game, with a game type such as our, our good friend Roland Wright, um, that kind of area, that kind of idea doesn't really factor in because you're taking out that time element so it's interesting when you say about that mm-hmm. not being able to rotate it then limits you in terms of the, the way you can put it on your on your grid yeah and and i think it does it does um change some of the things to recreate that sen- that same sense of tension so as the game goes on everyone takes turns and in, in rolling the dice but everyone takes the same dice result so as the game goes on, certain people will be looking for certain combinations of numbers and colours in terms of what they want to fall that fits in with their plan and their strategy. And if that's not in line with yours, then as the game goes on, you can suddenly start to be landed with things that you don't want. And you have three, essentially, bombs that will blow up a shape so you don't have to use it if you don't want to. But... I feel like that's that's what the game does to bring in that tension, especially in the late game, where it's just like, that is not the shape I want. Like, I, I, I can't do... And then your whole strategy has to has to change because of that. And that's what happens when when you're playing Tetris digitally, when it speeds up, because it unless you're a really good player, it speeds up to such a degree that you'll always end up with, all right, that shape's in there now. I've got to deal with it because I wasn't quick enough to actually put it where it where it needed to to be so you said so essentially that idea of like you're getting trash because at the start you just like have this wonderfully serene space at the bottom of your grid that you're perfectly placing every little thing into just like yeah i don't want that there now i'm going to put that there that oh yeah that's going to be lovely and then as the game goes on as that space fills up and more people are choosing to re-roll the dice or keep dice that don't suit you 
that's when you start like, well, this is some trash. I've got to like, I'll put that over there and forget about it. And then a couple of turns later, it's like, "Mm, I wish I didn't put that there now. Or you sacrifice not completing a row in order to make future rows better. And we talked about like good adaptations um, last time about The Witcher. And again, it just feels like an excellent adaptation of what it is to play Tetris. Like, it's not exactly an analogue point for point, but it still has all those little elements of of what makes that game great. And there's something quite nice, I think, also about playing Tetris as a group. Yes. Taking that solo, you know, one-player game that you'd usually play traditionally. And I say traditionally because there's been so many different iterations of Tetris. But for me, mm-hmm. Tetris is always something I play on my own on a tiny screen on my Game Boy. Yeah. And there's something quite <laughs> interesting about a group of people collectively playing Tetris. It's breathing yeah. new life into it in a really interesting way. And I think this is actually the best video game adaptation uh, as a board <laughs> game. You? As a board game. Can you name any others? Oh, as a board game, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know there's things like XCOM. There's a, new Metal, there's a Metal Gear Solid board game coming out this year by the guy who designed Spectre Ops. Bloodborne. Um, yeah, there's a true. Sniper Elite game yeah. coming. Uh, Dark Souls. But, but, but in terms of what you were saying, Sam, in terms of like an adaptation yeah. that you know, evokes the spirit of the original... I mean, you're pretty hard-pressed not to think of anything better, really, than Bricks. No, no. And, and, like, it's not as cutthroat as some of Wolfgang Walsh's other role and rights, like Ganshon Clever. It doesn't feel as heavy or mathsy or, like, you can really mess up. It doesn't feel... It feels a lot lighter than that, but it is quite... It does have a little bit of a level of depth to it as well, which I which I do enjoy, and I think... It's one of those games that is really good to introduce. If someone's never played a roll and write before, I think it is quite a good introduction to it because the first hurdle is, have you heard of Tetris? Yes. Well, this is Tetris, but this is how we're going to be choosing our pieces. Voila, here's how a roll and write works. Mm. And But it also has just enough um, depth in it that you can really plan and strategize what you're going to do and try to maximize exactly how the space works so yeah it's a great game and ultimately whatever happens even if you're playing it on your own or playing it with four four people that someone will eventually be like looking down at the piece of paper and just go can't help yourself cannot help yourself which is just like yeah well done Wolfgang Walsh just he's done it again really but yeah, Dan, there you go. There's your antidote to VR sickness. Wow, I'll, I'll cons- consider that added to the list. <laughs> uh, this is this, that's my that's my list of games you guys have talked about that I now now want to play. Right. Okay. Remember where we were in the story in AI Dungeon? Oh my gosh. We had so. Hang on. The ads are over. Is it, I pitch it, Sam. It's like the Batman '60s series. You know. Yeah. This is part two, yeah. day two of of the, the second day of this of this two part adventure. It doesn't have a name yet. This, I, I, this is the pilot. You know, it depends if the studio picks this up. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you have woken in a hospital bed. You've jumped out of the roof. You jumped in the sewers. There was a group of people in white coats. One of them's called Dr. Kessel, who said hello to you. You skateboarded up to him, did an ollie, kissed him passionately, then slapped him, 
and now you've skated away home. <laughs> what do you do? So what was the last bit I heard? Uh, you slowly skate away from the man and disappear into a small pipe leading off to the side. You don't even stop to think about what you did wrong or why you did it. All you know is that you had fun and you need to go home. I make a detour to the local watering hole. Oh. That's it, because we're, we're, we're basically... We're a buffalo, aren't we? We just need yeah. to... Ferdinand the buffalo. Didn't they make a film where Ferdinand... Yeah, there was Ferdinand, he was a bull. Ferdinand the bull? Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Okay, this is this is this has started us off perfectly. Um... <laughs> right, okay, the next day, you get out of bed and head over to the local watering hole. The bartender is a little surprised when she sees you there, but she says nothing since she's too busy drinking her beer. She gives you a dirty look, though, which makes you smile. Right, careful, Chris. What do you do? Uh, I order a lager shandy. You order a large shandy. It tastes great, and you finish it very fast. The, oh, the bartender's changed her tune. The bartender looks at you with disgust and walks away from the bar. You take another drink and try to forget everything that just occurred in the last <laughs> five minutes. <laughs> right, write down what's happening. Remember, this is a mystery. Yeah. Remember, this is a mystery I was going to say, the thing is, though, it's not, it, keeps, it keeps giving us kind of nothing to do. Oh no! It, it, uh, Admittedly, we should have, probably should have done a bit more with a guy in the white coat, but you know. but you should be asking like, why did the bartender give you a dirty look? Like maybe she knows something. Like why is she looking at you disgustedly? Yeah. Maybe you should strike up a conversation rather than actually strike them. Yeah. Excuse me, madam. Have I offended you? I'm ever so sorry. Offended you? I, I'm taking a different tact to slapping someone. I'm now going full on polite. Okay, good. Well, I've made a couple of typos, which may um, change how the spelling goes. You ask the bartender if she knows who you are. She tells you that she does and that you're not supposed to be here. She goes on to tell you that she works at a local brewery called The Brewmaster. Chris. Um, I mean, there's an obvious question that I would ask. Yeah, I know exactly what I'd say. Yeah. Go on. (laughs) Go on. You say... I'm sorry, ma'am, but I was just wondering where the nearest watering hole is. Hmm, okay. The AI seems to be crumbling slightly. <laughs> uh, Dan? Why aren't I meant to be? Why, why can't I be here? Oh, this is getting very philosophical lately. She asks you why you want to be here. You explain that you've been having trouble sleeping lately and your friends haven't come round for a while. She tells you that she has no idea where they could possibly be and then tells you to leave. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, I've got this, Sam. I'm going to go to Brewmasters HQ. You're going to go to the Brewmasters? That's correct. To do what? Uh, To get some answers. To get some answers about my missing friends? That's correct. You walk down the street to the Brewmasters. When you arrive, you see a lot of people sitting outside and talking. A few of them notice you and give you strange looks. They all seem really friendly, though, so maybe they don't mind your presence. Whip out the skateboard, Dan. Come on. Hail and well met, good friends. Dan, what time period do you think this is set in? <laughs> I'm still trying to break the system. So far, you've been resistant to my attempts. Anything else? How are you on this fine Tuesday morn? Oh, it's suddenly become a PG Woodhouse novel. The AI is a little overloaded. Could you try that again? <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. I think Dan's... I think I've, Dan's... I've, I've broken it, which is fine. Now we'll move on. Um, 
Dan's medieval language has broken AI dungeon. No, yeah, it's just saying it doesn't like that okay. at all. So <laughs> I sh- I show off my skateboarding skills by grinding. By grinding what? Uh, the railing. See, I'm more impressed that it might be able to handle this than hail and well met, dear friends. You grind the railing until you fall off. This causes everyone watching to laugh. After falling several times, you manage to land on your feet again. Everyone else seems to think you won, but you know better. Right, we'll 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 leave it there and conclude it. This just is a weird story. This is <laughs> I just love the skateboarding. So many aspect. twists and turns. I, for the last month and a half or so, have been playing on and off. And Sam, I've played it with you a couple of times, maybe. A cooperative game. Maybe. Yeah. Well, keep the air of mystery there. I can't honestly remember that's why the maybe's there. Uh, (laughs) We have played this three times. It it was actually one, but it felt like three when we were playing it. Yeah. um, It's a co-op game, Dan. So you're all working together as a board game, playing and working together. But it is the antithesis of lots of board games which have a particular imperialist theme. So, for example, games like Settlers of Catan, Imperial Settlers, Empires of the North, Diplomacy, Risk. There is uh, a job lot of games that are all about conquering islands or conquering locations, wrestling locations from the control of other players. Winning is equated with dominating as much area and landmass as possible. So what really piqued my curiosity about this game, which is Spirit Island by R. Eric Urus, um, is the fact that it is the complete opposite to that. So picture it, it's almost like the sequel to Settlers of Catan, where (laughs) what you have is an island that is already settled or is settling, and you play the spirits of the island hence the title Spirit Island, who are basically trying to scare away these settlers by teaming up with a local native population. So you never actually directly interfere with these settlers. You, through kind of subtle trickery, you basically convince them to leave. So each player takes on one of these spirits and you get all manners uh, of different kinds of spirits, ranging from lightning to something that's like Swamp Thing, to one spirit that is just basically dreams and nightmares. He basically invades the nightmares of the settlers and convinces them to leave. And your aim of the game is to create so much fear that the settlers just get up and run and leave the island. Just leave, yeah. yeah. Or to destroy so much of their settlements. So it's this really interesting push and pull where you basically, every player gets a hand of cards. And for some of them, it's specific to the spirit they've chosen which has certain powers and abilities. But those cards can either be played as a fast power, which is right at the beginning, or as a slow power, which is the last bit before the end of the round. And picking and choosing which ones you play is crucial. And in, Because in between, the settlers have their round, which is where basically they essentially ravish the land, where they're, they're basically deforestation, um, pollution, and they create blight as a consequence. They're basically polluting the land they're on. Mm. and 
And then as they're doing that, they're building more structures. If there's people there, they'll build structures. And then obviously more people will arrive. And you're flipping cards which have these geographies on them and you're putting them in this track that moves along for each of these different things. So you can kind of see where they're going to be ravaging next or where they're going to be building next. The only surprise is where they're going to explore next. And you as the team of spirits are trying to use your powers and cards to fight back against these settlers, to use the local natives to help you and to find cards that complement your other players so you can team up with them. So a good example of this is I played with my neighbour recently and I played as a spirit that is just basically the waves. They, they create tsunamis, which is kind of restrictive in the sense that I can only attack stuff that's on the coast. But what's quite cool about that is if I'm paired with a player who can shove the settlers towards the coastal edge, it means that they can... Um, set them up and I can knock them down mm. and there's something really mm. satisfying about that so on paper it sounds absolutely brilliant the only issue is it is that it is the most unnecessarily crunchy game I've ever played uh, <laughs> it really is I mean it really needs a second version which is so much more streamlined because there's so many unnecessary rules and things to do that don't need to be needed. There's, it's like having like the nicest coffee to sip, but it's, it's got all the grain and all the granules still, and you can taste it in your mouth occasionally, and it just gives a little bit of a bit of taste in your mouth, which is really unfortunate, because what tends to happen whenever I play this game, I start off really excited, I get a little bit frustrated, because obviously, as you're moving stuff around on this, this board... You've got these tiny little plastic figures which you end up knocking over and you end up accidentally moving around. It gets very, very fiddly and you keep doing that all the time. But then after a while, when you've learnt your little engine and how you complement with the other players and how your cards are working, oh, the buzz is fantastic going back yeah. and forth. And then you start to really, really like the game. And it's that memory that takes you into the replaying of it. But I've, I, I can't think of a game where I always look forward to playing it. Then I almost immediately regret it. And then I really enjoy playing it. <laughs> the thing that makes me want to play it again is that each time I play it, I realise how important it is to always be playing basically with an open hand, cards on the table, yeah, getting together, working as a team. Because like we kind of, I think the first few times you play it, you you think very sort of solo or singular. Um, about about what you're going to do in in your little area and your little like as you said as the waves what you're going to do in your little coastal town but as soon as you figure out that hang on if you start pushing people out to the coast i can be doing a lot more stuff which is kind of for me it's the step up from what pandemic brought in terms of the co-op experience because there's pandemic where you kind of learn to cooperate and you learn to blend all these different skills together but because the skills are pretty simple and basically there's one person in the team that has the best skill of of everyone which is the medic which is like taking cubes off the table essentially all that happens is is it's just like yeah pass him the ball yeah give him the ball yeah yeah mm. just just whatever we're doing just give him the ball and he'll sort it out. And someone will then just quarterback the whole experience. Whereas Spirit Island feels like a game which is kind of built around all of its mechanics. All of its stuff is built around how can we get players just playing together? Yeah, because you have how to. How can we like make basically build a cohesive team 
in an hour's worth of play. And I think I think that's where some of it is a bit like clumsy and feels a little bit like like grating like like turning two coconuts against each other like it feels like just a little bit sort of yeah grindy and and messy and murky but every time we've played it we've had those moments where like I can't believe we did that this turn I can't believe we managed to figure out the the right order to do things and we've and we've created havoc and it's havoc all to a positive end like we're stopping these these colonizers blighting the land and I said it to you before Chris and I said it to other people I've been playing with like if I played regularly with the same two or three people, Spirit Island is definitely the kind of game that I would be like, right, we're going to play this like every week for a couple of months. And I think if you were dedicating that enough time to it, learning exactly how you would operate as a team, learning to get past all those little like finicky little bits of the of the mechanisms... I think you, the, the game would absolutely shine. I think it's a game that definitely will get better depending on how much you're willing to actually yeah. dedicate to it in terms of like really learning how it works, really learning how each of the monsters and, and elements work in this environment. I think we're so used to playing a game and it just being like, yeah, here it is. It's all here for yeah. you, ready, packaged up nice and neatly. With a Spirit Island, we'll play that again in a few months. Time. Yeah, where Spirit yeah. Island just feels like just a little bit rough and ready, and it feels like you just—it's just—it's just expecting you as a player just to give that extra little bit more into it to yeah. get to get something else out of it. No, I agree, and I think there's also there's just a lot to like about it in the sense that not only do the cards themselves offer these incredible upgrades, sometimes like you know volcanoes and things you can just wipe out an area. Yeah. And so it goes, oh my gosh, you've got that! That's fantastic. We've totally got. Even if it makes no sense. Game work, gameplay wise, narratively, that's such a cool thing. I want to see how that what happens if we do that. But also the fact that in each of your cards, you've got these little um, sigils, these little symbols, and if you happen to have that amount, the right amount of certain symbols, you un- you have additional powers as well. And you just take great pleasure knowing that actually I'm not doing anything that's quite cool my end, but I've put a power here which turns all my my fellow players' slow cards into fast cards. So I'm actually helping in that sense. We can kind of blitz this now. So like, I mean, for me, just the novelty of an anti-colonialist game, it goes, you know, it goes against the grain of so many board games that is cooperative as well. That's really attractive to look at. Um, it's a it's it's a showing really. I think it's it's genuinely one of those games that I I, I as you say, Sam, I look forward to. It and I will forever keep it because it's a yeah. game that I will one day hope to master. And I know I can do it. And I do have a good time yeah. every time I play it. We got a question. We got a question. Who did we get the question from? We got a question from Adam. Hello, Adam. Thanks for the question. Hello, Adam. Uh, with the next gen of consoles on the horizon, never mind what they look like, how do you think they will differentiate the game cases? from the current hardware disc cases. So this is, hmm. So I guess what Adam is saying is like, when we get a new generation of um, games, usually we get a new case design, the thing that the, the disc will come in 
So on the shelves, it looks a little bit different to what has previously gone before. So like the PS1 had that chunky square like plastic case that was massive and like the minute you brought it home the front of it would smash yep. and you'd be like Ugh. and then the ps2 was like a bigger dvd case like yeah essentially a full-on dvd case and then the ps3 and ps4 have had the same shape and size basically i mean i mean to be fair sam uh, other other consoles are available <laughs> yeah but i'm but i'm but in terms of like the progression of a generation, the PlayStation's had the longest and biggest differences in terms of like what game cases have looked like. I think it's also because of the fact that the PlayStation 2 was a DVD player, the PS4 is a yes. Blu-ray player. And I think it's actually because that it, on, the, on your shelf, you can put your Blu-rays next to your PS4 games and there's no difference. So I think to some extent, personally, I, I think... We're, we're looking for something that'll be the exact same, personally. In terms of, like, what hmm, what they're going to look like in future, like, did you get... Were all your PSVR games, Dan, just download codes? Yeah, all digital. And that was, that was it. Which, to be fair, works well for me, because I'm having the really horrible issue with my PlayStation where, at random times, it'll just spit a disc out that I'm playing. So digital <laughs> yeah. is great mm. for me right now, because I can play them happily. I don't have to worry about it. I'm not in the middle of a VR gun gun show and it all stops like i'm happy for the next generation of consoles to revolutionize what game cases are like my my list of priorities are first off that they're a lot smaller and respectful of of space and also i think that future game cases should drop all pretense that they will ever contain anything like a manual like oh yeah whenever you open any case they've all got those little like notches on the the left hand side where a manual would go and it's like yeah which usually just has an advert in it now yeah an advert or or a terms of service or you know the licensing agreement or like Remember that remember that horrible place in history where it had the online uh codes? Yeah, the online activation or like here's a here's a two day free trial. I remember when sometimes you used to get posters in them. Like you'd you know, you yeah. get some really cool things inside the game box. We used to get that with with GTA, with Grand Theft Auto, you would get yes. a full paper get map. The map. You either commit to the to the manual thing or you just drop it with the game cases. And then the other thing that game cases should be doing is what Dan, what, what's the company that makes Football Manager? Uh, Sports, in, Sports Interactive? Sports Interactive, yeah. yeah. So they um, uh, they recently, with Football Manager 20, uh, made it so every single part of the game case is, can be recycled or is made from recycled material. Excellent. And Sega now have, have said that all future games that they produce will be made, will be made in the same way. Yeah. Um, so that's like, if game case is going to be a future thing, a thing in the future, then I feel like that's got to be the next, the next sort of logical logical step. I think the question we need to be asking is, what about the shape of the disc? We're assuming it's round. Well, if it's a disc, then it is round. Not necessarily. Well, of course, it has yeah, to be Yeah, that's what a disc is. Round. A disc is round. I'm sorry, what, what shape's a floppy disc? Round. It's yeah. It's in a plastic shell, but right. it's round. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I just think it's an interesting thing to consider. 
I mean, I mean, you could do like a triangle disc, um, like the PSP design, or like yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, right. like a mini disc design. Yeah. Oh, I love a good mini disc. This is what you could do, Chris. You've cracked it. Well done. Thank you. You've cracked it. You could have the case <gasps> as the case for the disc. Amazing. So you put the case into yeah the PlayStation 5. I mean, and then that's the case and the disc are the same I thing. I mean, peeling off the CEX sticker is going to be a pain in the arse, but still. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Should we, finish, should we finish this story? Should we give it a name, I feel? Or should we, t- should we find out how the story ends and then... I, I think something um, like the Half-Pipe Mysteries. Yeah, yeah, yeah like the that. Brewmaster Chronicles. No, it's got to be um, skating related. It's that's been the predominant theme of the story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, Dan, uh, you grinded on the rail um, in front of all these people outside of the Brewmaster. Uh, everyone else seems to think you won, but you know better. You're on your feet again, Chris. For the last part of the story, what's happened? So I'm. I think now because they were laughing at me, their guard has been lowered. Okay. I oh, am. Gosh. I am going to ask them what has hap- what happened to my friends. I keep forgetting I that this them. isn't a kind of a, a a story that's already been written. So the story will only go what in, in the direction that we we tell it to. So, for example, I don't care about where my friends are. That that, that hasn't been a particularly strong story point for me. I'm more interested in the guys in the white coats. Oh, I mean, this is really kicking off in part three. They all start laughing again. Oh, one of them explains that one of the guys got into an, got into an argument with his girlfriend and left without saying goodbye. Another guy claims that he saw him leaving with a woman, but couldn't quite remember what happened after that. Dan, uh, I'm going to enter the brewmaster. I'm going to go inside. I'm going to find out what's going on inside there. You walk into the brewmasters. You see a man behind the counter and two women working behind the bar. The woman at the front desk tells you that her name is Mary and that she's in charge of security. Chris. Uh, I presume the other one's called Beatrix. (laughs) Uh, You can have that. Um, A little bit. uh, I imagine that'd be on the trivia of an IMDB page one day when this film takes off. Uh, I'm going to ask I'm going to ask her Mary does she know who the woman was who left with my friends I like the fact that Ferdinand has dropped the medieval language well he he discovered that the system couldn't cope with it so <laughs> apparently artificial intelligence doesn't like like you know ye olde English <laughs> yeah when when Skynet when Skynet rises or we, we know we all need to do is just go hail met good friends and it will just crumble good morrow uh, Mary tells you Mary tells you that she doesn't know anything about it. She thinks that the girl might have gotten lost or something like that. I'm, I'm struggling to figure out what mystery we're trying to solve here. We're just making this up on the fly and the AI is just reacting to what we're putting in. So we could like investigate the mystery. Like We could like question Mary, interrogate her to find out what happens. But if you don't want to, then you don't have to. I want you to tell Mary that I've just been named the CEO of Brewmaster. Undercover boss, I like it, Dan. And I will, I'm going to be making some changes around here. I mean, by the way, just to confirm, I'm absolutely lying. I want to know if Mary sees through my lie. 
have, have I broken it again? <laughs> you tell Mary that you will be taking over as the head of the Brewmasters and that she should take care of herself. She nods and thanks you. Brilliant. <laughs> so obviously Mary's been Mary's been having a horrible time. She's been trying to get out of the Brewmasters for years. Mary's head of the union. Um, is it like you you mentioned there was a second woman there who's not at the front? Yeah, there's a, a woman working behind the bar. Um, I speak to the woman behind the bar. I ask the same question I asked Mary. Do you know the woman who left with my friend? So I'm just like a, a thing that you can... Um, do is an AI dungeon essentially tell the AI what to remember and I'm telling it to remember that you're the, that Ferdinand is the boss of the brewmasters yeah. and that also I carry a skateboard on me at all, ta- all times, <laughs> at all times. Oh. the woman behind the bar looks surprised when you approach her she tells you that she is called Mary <laughs> And then she works at the Brewmasters as the bartender. She also tells you to just keep out of her business, since it isn't your place to question things like that. Dan, pull rank. Tell her I'm the boss. Don't talk to me like that. Or else. She tells you that she can't do anything about it since it wasn't her fault. She then asks if you want to buy drinks for the both of them. You agree and leave. What? Oh. Okay, I think what we're going to do is... For the sake of time, we're going to leave... What's the story called again? The Halfpipe Chronicles. The Halfpipe Chronicles there. If you want to find out how the story ends or listen to the next part, you have to wait until after the credits of, <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> oh, jeez. Just, just in case there's anyone who's like, I listen for an hour and that's my lot. <laughs> that's all I can take. We'll put the last bit at the end of the credits. As a, as a bit of a as a bit of a special, um, there we go. So that's the best I can do. That was staying in with myself, Sam Turner, Daniel Frost, and Chris Darby. If you want to hear the concluding part of the Halfpipe Chronicles, and stay to the end of these credits, and I'll do my best just to keep them short. So thank you very much for listening. If you want to find out more about the show, then stayinginpodcast.com is our website. There you'll find links to our Board Game Geek and Steam curation pages if you're stuck for something to play or do uh, in between podcast episodes. Also, please share this podcast with a friend. It's the best way that we can grow and we think it's very nice just to share something you like with someone else that you possibly like. Um, You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Staying In Pod, and also Instagram, Staying In Pod. If you want to send us a question, another way of doing it is stayinginpod at gmail.com. We're gearing up for our 100th episode, which will be in a few weeks' time. And on that episode, it's going to be extremely special because we're going to be picking our top 10 favourite things that we've covered over the last 100 episodes. So if you're feeling fruity, then why not get in touch and tell us about things that you've liked (laughs) and things that you think should be included in that top 100. It'd be great to hear uh, your thoughts on it. Just get in touch with us, any of the methods and varieties of ways. But now, yes, it is the concluding part, part four of this exceptional four-part drama that was only meant to be two, but frankly, it all got away from me, um, of the Half Pipe Chronicles. You can play AI Dungeon yourself on browser, iOS, or the Google Play Store. It's absolutely free, but here we are. Staying in pod brings you the concluding and final part of 
the Halfpipe Chronicles. Right, okay. Here we are. The fi- the final it's gone into a fourth part. The it's it's like George R. R. Martin. You thought he was just writing two books, but now it's seven. A song of beer and skateboards. So Chris, you've left the Brewmasters. Yep. You want to find out what happened to who this woman was that has stolen your friends. Um uh, I literally have no clues whatsoever other than the fact that a woman left here. Um, I look, I look for clues that will tell me which direction this woman went. By the way, good on Mary to stand up to her boss, <laughs> yeah, definitely, <laughs> like she did. <laughs> the two Marys have done very well. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> I don't know whether this is the AI being extremely clever or the AI being extremely dumb. You decide to follow the trail of breadcrumbs left behind by the woman. You search through the bakery looking for any clue that could lead you where she went. You find a few pieces of paper taped together and some empty beer bottles near a trash bin. Right, this is, the mystery's going. Here we go, Dan. Please don't run away from the bakery. <laughs> it's the only solid lead. And these pieces of paper... I mean, it is like it is like a kid's cartoon we've got the brewery we've got the bakery it's just gonna be the butchers or the candlestick makers next i i i put together i i i solve the puzzle of the paper and discover the map the treasure map you read the note written on the paper and realize that it says hello oh my god oh my god this is great you read the note written on the paper and you realise that it says, Hello, my name is Mary. I work at the Brewmasters. Remember Mary? My boyfriend left with our friend last night. We don't know where they went, so we are trying to find them this morning. <gasps> okay. Colour colour me intrigued. Where's my treasure map? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, so uh, as Dan left the bakery... Uh, no, he hasn't. He's still in the bakery. Okay. Um, I I ask uh, the baker if they had seen my yep. friend with a woman here. He tells you that they haven't seen anyone like that around here. He mentions that the woman had long brown hair and was wearing a white tank top with red stripes down the sides. So, basically, she looked like a tube of toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> right come on dan let's bring the story home okay uh first thing i want to do is i want to, i want to call dr kessler and apologize for my earlier behavior i call dr kessel is his name well to you maybe to me it's kessler i tell him that later tonight i'll show him some new sick moves <laughs> okay. on my I wasn't Skateboard. sure where you were going with that, and I thought you were taking it at your own special tangent. No, okay. And then what? What, what after that? Uh, do you want to get the police involved? I, we need to do something because we're going round in circles. We've met about seven Marys. Yeah, you are. Yeah. I feel like I feel like Chris has really stymied this because he's just like gotten a clue from Mary, and then he's just like, oh, I better ask the baker. Yeah, but we've already spoken to Mary. She she kept stum. There's about five anything. Marys. 
Yeah, which bloody Mary? I don't I don't know which friend we're meant to be looking for. All I know is I'm good on a skateboard and I, and I beat someone up in a sewer. I mean, the baker said he hadn't seen anyone but was able to describe this woman. I mean... <laughs> it's almost like it's been written by an AI and not a real person, isn't it? Right, Dan, what did you want to do after you ring Dr. Kessel? Uh, I mean... You haven't got much time, Dan. It's about to go beep and you've got to leave a message. I just... I don't. I don't know. I don't know. You could do. Any, you can literally do. I anything know. I could. You want but to. I just. Limit, but the, no. The problem is, I don't think this AI has any end in sight, and so I don't think there's anything we could say that's going to give us any kind of ending. Well, it is. You could. You could ring the police and ask them to search for the woman. Uh, I'm going to. Uh, Slowly fall to one knee, and then in one in then go down on one knee. Slowly go down on one knee, place my hands on the ground, summon up all the power within me, and then in one move, leap and fly up into the air. Basically, I'm flying. I want. I want. I'm. Gonna, I'm. Start, I'm gonna go flying. But I just, I just, I just elaborated a bit. But yeah, I'm, I'm now flying. I'm now flying. And then he lands and breaks both <laughs> okay. his legs. I decided I'm now a flying man. Okay, you land on the ground and stand back up. <laughs> you begin to get, you begin to get ready to jump again. Suddenly, you feel very dizzy and faint. You try to sit up, but fall back onto no, the floor. No, I'm not. Ju- I'm not jumping. I'm flying. I have the ability no. to fly now. Hang on, no, you can't jump in there, Dan. Hang on, you can't jump in no. there. Hang on, no, no, no. The- yeah, I start to fly. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's going to now cut to an airport. <laughs> you try to regain your balance and manage to get up off the floor. You run outside and see a large group of people watching you from their cars. They seem very interested in what's happening. Okay. Because you're now, you're now flying. Right. Let's go. I shout really loud, has anyone seen my friend and Mary, <gasps> the blonde one? <gasps> Chris, you're obsessed. You're obsessed with this. Wait, it's a mystery, Dan. We've got to solve it. What? But who's the friend? Exactly. Yeah, but at one point, someone said, I haven't seen your friends in a while. And you have been fixated on this one single point. <laughs> I yeah, I, I know. Assume, no, yeah. hang on. I just assumed that was the mystery, that my friends had no. gone missing. No. What was the mystery then? There is no mystery! She got a note from Mary saying she hadn't seen them in a while. No, she didn't. She just said her boyfriend <laughs> oh went God, home with our friend. I don't know how long I don't know how long this mystery's gonna go on for. But a man dressed in black clothes comes running to, running towards you. He has a big grin on his face and he shouts, Hey! Where did you come from? What are you doing out here? Where are those two girls? <laughs> <laughs> it's a rabbit hole. Dan. Dan, can you just say, I don't know, and fly away? (laughs) I don't know, and I fly away never to be seen again. (laughs) You fly away home and tell everyone that you saw someone named Mary with a woman named Julie yesterday evening. You explain how you were chased by a giant spider and managed to escape. (laughs) What? I call Dr. Kessel. And ask him to come over and watch me skateboard. 
you called up to Kessel and tell him that you're going to be skating tonight and you need help. He arrives immediately after after you say goodbye to your family. I walk Dr. Kessel to the half pipe and the- we enjoy a hug. <laughs> <laughs> God, proper, you're a proper Barbara Cartland, aren't you, Sam? <laughs> I'm just like, it's my chance to like do a few things now. Now you guys have ended your story. I want to see what's happening with Dr. Dr. Kessel walks you to the half pipe and you both enjoy a good old-fashioned hug before you begin to skate. After a couple of laps, you notice that Dr. Kessel isn't quite as fast as when he first arrived. Oh, mystery. <laughs> I turn into a skateboard... And let Dr. Kessel ride me <laughs> to the hospital. Heaven is a half pipe. We took it, we took it blue. <laughs> yep. No, not ride in that way. Well, range. you picked your words very specifically there. I'm, I'm sorry you did. This is it. This is the end. You turn into a skateboard and let Dr. Kessel ride you to the hospital. When you arrive, you give him a kiss and then he rides off on his bike. Where did his bike come from? <laughs> At the hospital, he's a doctor. Oh, it's true. It's true. It's, it's, are we going to throw in just one additional post-credits scene, just like Marvel does as world building? Uh, Nick Fury turns up. Nick Fury turns up. And recruits you to the Avengers programme saying we need a skater boy just like you now that tony is dead spoilers we just want to, we just want a skater boy who says see you later boy you look at nick fury who is standing nearby he notices your attention and smiles hey i remember you from somewhere oh perfect that's the end nice <laughs>